In our message last week, given through this book of Luke chapter 9, we recognized in that message that as we move on forward in our relationship with the Lord Jesus and in our service to Him, that while the salvation that we have is completely free, it is through grace and grace alone, completely free and requiring nothing of us to be saved. But the next steps, the next steps that the Lord is showing to us here in these next words that I'll read, those steps of discipleship and the steps of our obedience to Him as our Lord, they'll be different. And they are going to cost us something. And we can count on that. Those steps will cost us. Because once you and I have joined our souls with the Lord Jesus in our salvation... There's an eternal relationship of service to Him that's immediately set into place. And it begins now, in these living years. And then it carries on in to eternity. And as we've been studying then in earlier messages, the first step in our relationship with the Lord is that we need to become His disciple, a faithful follower, always learning of Him and becoming more and more like Him with each step that we take. Salvation does not begin and end as we walk that aisle and get down on our knee and pray a sinner's prayer. That's only the beginning. And we have to know that. We have to become His disciple. He's not only our Savior. He is our Lord. And we need to begin to be His disciple and do what disciples do. And as the precious words of these Gospels remind us, you and I are to... Go on forward. And we're to be the means by which other people become disciples. I want to emphasize this word disciple because too often we think that evangelism is that last step. But as I said a moment ago, evangelism is only for that moment of our salvation. Listen carefully to these words. You have heard them so many times. Matthew 28 Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples. Most folks only interpret that to mean go and witness to them to get them saved. But that's not what these words say. These words say go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is the Lord Jesus. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, earlier in chapter 9 of this book of Luke, the Lord Jesus demonstrated the sending forth of these disciples when He sent forth the twelve. But now here in chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, we see where He is sending out 70 disciples. 70 disciples. Listen and follow along with me. This is chapter 10 of the book of Luke, beginning in verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and He sent them two by two before His face into every city and place where He Himself was about to go. Now you recall, He he has now set His face towards Jerusalem where He will be crucified and die. So He sent out these disciples two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go on his way to Jerusalem. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. 
Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Important statement. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals. And greet no one along the road. Don't stand there long enough to spend a long conversation with people. That's not your purpose. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandal. Greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Now may I pause for a moment and remind us of a truth that we too often forget as we get about our daily employments and lifestyles. That truth is a simple one. And it is that you and I and every other person on the face of of this earth have been born into this life with a very sinful nature. And it lives within us and it thrives within us and it guides and directs most every thought and every deed that we do. And left unchanged, left unchanged, that sinful nature will bring only continual misery and strife into our life, ending with incomprehensible, eternal suffering in hell. But thanks be to God. He is loving and He is merciful and He does not desire that any of us should perish. And because of that great love, with compassion, with great compassion through His Son, the Lord Jesus, God has provided a way of changing our nature and our future by saving us and redeeming us from that pit of hell. How often have you heard someone say, And even perhaps you said to yourself, where was God during this difficult time in my life? Why didn't God do something? Well, he has done something. He's done this. He has given his life that you and I may find answers, right answers, for the difficulties that we encounter. Now, here in our scripture passage for today, we see Jesus carrying forward this plan that he has made to change all of the people's hearts that will turn to him, beginning with the people of his day there in those towns and villages, but also with you and me. And again, as I mentioned a moment ago, that plan and those efforts would not be without struggle and they'd not be without difficulty. Here as Jesus sent these 70 disciples on ahead of him, he warned them that although they were going forward, with the very best of intentions. They truly wanted for those people that they would minister to, to be saved. So they had all the best intentions. 
But they had to realize, and Jesus was warning them, that they would encounter resistance and hazards along the way from the very people that they were going to help. And again, that warning was not only intended for those 70 disciples that were going out, it was also intended to warn you and me and anyone else who would venture out into the world to tell them about the Lord Jesus. And why is that so? It's because the three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they are ever and always in full battle array against the plans and the purposes and the people of God. You and I might not recognize that as we go about our day, but it's taking place all around us. Anytime that anyone steps forward to offer the precious redeeming words of Christ, it must always be understood that they'll be stepping forward onto a battlefield. The Lord calls it that. And they'll be met by a formidable enemy. Here in these, some of these first words that Jesus used to warn them, he said, go your way, behold, look, see, I send you out as lambs among wolves. I love the way that God words his scripture. I'm a very visual thinker. And so besides these words being so meaningful, he presents his truth so clearly. The words are not only factual, they're a visual word picture illustrating the dangers of this warning that he's giving so plainly that they or any child could understand. Here the Lord Jesus is telling us that this calling to go out and make disciples is a serious one. And he's addressing this to us because we are to go forward and make disciples. Now while you and I live comfortably in our quiet southern town, we don't see much of those dangers. And so we can be lulled into thinking that it's not there. But it is. The demonic realm is ever and always at work to find ways to cause us difficulty. As these disciples then, and as you and I step on forward to give these precious truths of redemption, we're truly defenseless against that enemy that has been put in our way. We are like those lambs and we're surrounded by vicious and ravenous wolves. Think through this word picture for a moment. You and I are not only the enemy of the world, the flesh, and the devil. This word picture of the ravenous wolves and us being these lambs, we're actually being presented as being the very sustenance by which those ravenous wolves live. It's an odd thought, and it's very discomforting, and it seems far-fetched. Because as we, in our circumstance, we only venture out into these friendly neighborhoods, perhaps, or at across a dinner table with familiar people as we give our witness for Christ. But listen, the farther that we step on forward from our quiet southern towns, the more harmful and the more violent that the demonic realm tends to be. And that simple truth is given to us in the words of John 10, where... Jesus used another word picture. He says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, those words of Jesus, he uses this name thief 
to represent Satan and his demonic minions. But folks, listen, they are ever and always ravenous as wolves who steal, kill, and destroy. And you and I need to not be lulled into a circumstance where we uh, are not aware of that. Again, as we live quietly here in our southern towns, those kind of violent concerns seem so far from us. And again, they are not. According to Jesus' warnings here, they are especially true for us all of the time. They were for the 70 disciples then, and they are for us now. And the word picture given to us here gives the understanding that it'll not always be that they will present themselves as ravenous wolves. They'll not be recognizable necessarily, at, at least at first. Some of them at first can seem to be friendly, and they can seem even open to the gospel. Jesus gives a warning here that their friendliness may only be used to distract and detour us and other missionaries from their path. The missionaries must be careful to discern who they have in front of them and the true motives of those people. Listen to this. He says in verse 4, Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. There are times when we get detoured by simple conversation. And we don't go on to the next step that we're supposed to take. He says, greet no one along the road. Remember your purpose. Remember the goal that's set in front of you. He says, but whatever house you enter, first say peace to that house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on you. If not, it will return to you. Vague words to some extent. But if we think through them, This word picture causes me to imagine that sometimes the people might feed and house a missionary for a while, but only as long as it takes to distract them or to discourage them from their purposes. And also note these words here in verse 5 carefully. We need to be especially perceptive as we spend time with these people that we are witnessing to. Their intentions can often be subtle. A matter of Peace or the lack of peace? That's an odd thought. But how often do you sit down at a discussion with someone and you don't feel a sense of peace in that conversation? There's something odd about it. Something discomforting. He says, whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on you. If not, it will return to you. I have been in a lot of conversations where I knew during those conversations that something was wrong. I didn't know what it was, but I just knew I needed to probably walk away. Listen, God guides and directs our steps in so many different ways. And the eyes of our hearts must always be awake and watching for His presence. And I have no doubt that God's Holy Spirit was going ahead of these missionaries to prepare the way for them. He always does that. And while I don't understand exactly what God's intended meaning as he speaks about a son of peace abiding within those houses, I'd suggest that he's speaking about a spirit of peace. That peace or that lack of peace that I spoke about a moment ago. And that spirit of peace can only come when the Holy Spirit is there and he is working first. 
Here Jesus is teaching these disciples to have that kind of discernment as they minister. To know when they should remain and minister where they are and when they should simply get up and go to another opportunity. I'm reminded of one of the points of wisdom in the book Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. I would recommend that book to you. There Blackaby instructs us simply... See where God is working and join Him there. See where God is working and join Him in His work. Too often we want to try to forge a new work ourselves. Simple but wise words. See where God is working and join Him there. And that would seem to be, by the way, the same kind of instruction that Jesus is giving in these words to these disciples. That the Holy Spirit always goes out ahead to prepare people's souls to receive His gospel. But if it isn't being done, walk away. Even though you may not want to walk away. You need to go ahead and walk away. Now again, neither those disciples then, nor you and I now, know ahead of time which of the people that we'll encounter are ready to receive the precious gospel. And which ones of them are ravenous wolves. And because of that, each of us must be prepared with the proper defenses. By the way, he gives us a hint as to whether or not we can know if those people are truly receptive or not. He uses the word, the fields are white for harvest. Harvest is a time when most everything within a person's heart has already taken place, just as it is as you view a field of crops, if it is white for harvest, if it is ready for harvest, it only takes that one next step. You and I need to be able to recognize that step within the person that we're speaking to at the time. And that's what he was saying to these disciples then. But listen again, you and I, as they, we need to be careful and be prepared with the proper defenses because we truly are lambs. And lambs are not intended to be warriors as such. God's defenses against these ravenous wolves is never lacking. He provides all the protection that we'll need. And he does it through some very familiar words that you have heard many times before. And it's that security is through the full armor of God. Listen to these words given to us in Ephesians chapter 6. He gives us this whole armor. It's called the whole armor of God to protect us and to equip us as we as lambs step out onto that battlefield. He tells us, finally, my brethren, this is Ephesians chapter 6, beginning verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's very clever. The wiles, the schemes of the devil. His schemes are too clever for you and me. So we need this full armor. He says here in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Get the impact of that. The rulers of the darkness of this age is all around us right now. And in every circumstance where we will be witnessing as missionaries. 
against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Those heavenly places, they're all around us right now. They're the unseen realm all around us. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Notice he says, take up the whole armor of God. You need every one of these pieces. He says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, then to stand. And so he tells us, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Having put on this breastplate of righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. It's so important for you and I to know what the Lord is saying within these words. This is the perfect way for a lamb like you or me or any missionary to go forward fearlessly onto the field of battle against those vicious and ravenous wolves. And again, they are there. You and I can't see them, but they are there. And again, as we spoke about a moment ago, a battle, any battle, is not without suffering and consequences. We can't expect to step out onto that battlefield and come out unscathed. That full armor of God is protective, fully protective, yes. But unfortunately, for you and me, and most all sheep, in the confusion of the battle on that battlefield, we lose perspective. We can even lose sight of our leader, the Lord Jesus. And when we do that, we open ourselves up to be wounded. And those wounds will be painful. And the devil can attack, and he can dissuade our efforts in so many ways, he can cause suffering physically, emotionally, spiritually, and often all three of those. Our bodies are weak, and we are susceptible to diseases. I recall that as Lou and Brandy Johnson, two missionaries that we support in Africa, when they first ventured out into their ministry there, they found that malaria was often rampant, and it immediately, immediately they were impacted by malaria. And they've suffered through several bouts of many other of the same kinds of illnesses. And health care is not that close in some of those areas that they're in, they're in Africa. And also, another missionary that we support, Elizabeth Johnson, she is ministering in Laos, Southeast Asia, with her teammate April and even more powerful than those physical diseases are the distresses that take place on a daily basis with their interaction with strong pagan religions in their case Hindu those people who are Hindus can be very violent they appear to be peaceful but they're not I also recall how the first missionary that we supported, Dave Goodman, went to serve in the country of Turkey. He wasn't there very long at all when suddenly a radical Muslim knocked on his door. As soon as he opened the door, the Muslim shot him and killed him. Now, we never know when God plans for any of this to take place, and especially 
when he plans that our life would suddenly end there on the mission field. But we need to be ready for it. Again, as missionaries, we truly are sheep among ravenous wolves. In those pagan religions, the demonic beings spoken of there in Ephesians chapter 6, they become ever so real and active. And the constant pressure can easily cause a person to become discouraged. Many missionaries, many missionaries get so discouraged and fearful that they leave the field and they never return again. While it might not be often that missionaries are attacked and killed, they certainly can be distracted and dissuaded from their appointed calling. And some missionaries just get caught up in the daily affairs of life wherever they're ministering, and they lose their focus. I recall in a book that I read one time called The Pineapple Story, and it was about a missionary who was in Papua New Guinea. It wasn't long after he and his family had moved there that they noticed that their stuff, their belongings, would go missing. They got so discouraged by the people in that village because they kept stealing their stuff. And especially as he began to grow crops, he grew these pineapples. And these natives within the village would steal his pineapples. That family languished for years without any measurable ministry because they were angry at the people they were sent to minister to. Now, yes, thankfully, they finally did regain their ministry vision and they were reasonably successful in their efforts. But the warning from God is that a good missionary is like a good soldier. They do not get caught up in civilian affairs. Listen to these words, 2 Timothy 2. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engages in warfare and lets it entangle him in the affairs of daily life. So much so that he would be distracted. He is there to please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now again, as I spoke about a few moments ago, consequences are also inevitable. Consequences, both for the missionary and also for those that they minister to. For the missionary, for us, If we allow that full armor to sag just a little bit, it exposes certain parts of us to injury. And also, too, as a missionary turns their back on their enemy, you might notice that most all of those pieces of armor cover the front. You cannot turn your back on the enemy. You'll surely suffer harm. But also, as we read in these words, the greatest of all the consequences will be felt by and suffered by those who refuse to receive this precious gospel of Christ. Listen to verse 10. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you, that it will be better and more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Now the warning being given here in these words, that day, 
the Lord Jesus is speaking about that great day of judgment. That great day of judgment when all men will stand before him and they'll give an account. And folks, we all will surely do that. We all will surely stand before him in judgment. Verse 12, but I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. These are harsh sounding words, folks. And they're intended to be strong and demanding. How else will some people listen unless these words are strong and demanding? You recall that Sodom was completely destroyed by fire from heaven. A direct judgment from God. And it will also be that way for all who refuse the gospel. We're told that those last days will be much like the days of Noah. And folks, very much like today with us in our culture and society. Listen to these words. Verse 37 of Matthew 24. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. And so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Folks, in those days, they had no idea what was coming to them next. You and I can see so clearly because we know the Lord and we know His truths. We can see clearly that warning to us and to those that we minister to, our own families, our loved ones. In those days, those very last days of life on this earth, ordinary people would be going about doing ordinary things just like they do today without any thought of the coming consequences for their behaviors and their lifestyles. But in only a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, all of life will be over. And as we're told in Hebrews 9, then comes the judgment. There will be no more appeals. Then will come the judgment, the final judgment. But folks, again, the precious redemption provided by the Lord Jesus through His death on the cross, it's full and it's free, and it's for all who will receive Him and welcome Him into their lives and into their homes. But woe be to those, woe be to those who do not. For them there will be no excuse. And that's why those 70 then, and why you and I need to go forward now and minister this precious gospel of Christ to anyone who will listen and receive it. And let me encourage us. That begins in our own house, in our own family with our own kin. We are God's messengers. Sometimes the only one that some of our family members will listen to. But we are God's messengers and we are sent before the face of Jesus to give this good news of His salvation just as those disciples are sent. And you and I must go. Let me close with these words first from Galatians chapter 6. He tells us there, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Whatever lifestyle you and I have, whatever lifestyle our friends, our family, or any of those other people that we'll minister to, whatever that is, that will also be reaped. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man or woman sows, it will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of that flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. 
And then these words again, where he sends us out. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you've given us all that we need, both for our own salvation, but also to give to others. Oh, bread of life, bread of life. We have it in our hands. You've given it to us, and we need to give it to others. Help us, dear Father. Help us to step forward with great confidence and give your message of salvation. We pray in Jesus' name.